welcome back to another episode of the Accepted Podcast, a college admissions podcast for the savvy student. I am your host, Tyler Kusinoki, bringing you the unfiltered truth about applying to college in the 21st century. As always, I'd like to take a second to let everyone know that my DMs, as they were, are always open. My favorite part about doing this podcast is hearing from you. How are you? How are things going with college, with school, with your applications? All that good stuff. I would love to know. Send me your questions, concerns, feedback, episode ideas, complaints, opinions, beefs, whatever it is. At the end of the day, this podcast is a community first forum for achieving better college outcomes. My inbox is always open at Tyler at theacceptedpodcast.com. Today, we are going to be diving into a couple different things. One is Columbia's refusal to participate in U.S. news rankings anymore. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about the truth around engineering schools and engineering majors. But before we get into those topics, a couple quick announcements to make. First of all, summer is here, and it's not just about taking a break and having some fun in the sun. It's also your chance to get ahead. So if you want to know how Ivy League applicants make the most out of their summer, then please mark your calendars. On Saturday, June 17th at 6 p.m. JST, my consulting team here in Tokyo is hosting an exclusive webinar, Your Ultimate Guide to a College Admissions Boosting Summer. This is a roadmap for rising juniors and seniors designed by people who know the college application game. I will be leading those talks, and as an admissions consultant for over 15 years, we've helped thousands of students increase their admission chances and get into some of the best universities in the world. So we are going to be talking through that, and you'll get a clear checklist for a power pack summer and gain key insights from the previous admissions cycle. We'll also be doing a live Q&A at the end to address all your concerns. Additionally, our boarding school admissions teams will be hosting a panel discussion on Sunday, June 18th, the following day from 7 to 8 p.m. JST. So join us to learn all about how to crack the boarding school admissions code, which is getting trickier and trickier every year. So it'll be a panel that includes myself, our boarding school admissions team, and the head of our student research division. So we're going to go through a bunch of topics, including recent trends, how to learn from successful applications, and how to craft an effective school list. And we'll also be talking a little bit about how you can use independent research to help your application gain an edge. So make sure to come get all those questions answered before the start of the next application season to join either of the webinars, you can register at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's tokyoacademics.com slash events. Okay, great. Let's dive into a couple of today's topics, a couple big things going on. First of all, I did want to bring up the recent news. This just came out on Tuesday. Columbia University, my alma mater, is not going to be submitting data for the undergraduate rankings by the U.S. News and World Report, which is generally considered the most like go-to rankings in the world for U.S. schools. So this is huge. And just for those of you who weren't aware of what's been going on here, a brief timeline of that. On February of 2022, a professor, so the the killer came from inside the house in this case, right? A Columbia professor basically accused the university of sending inaccurate data to the U.S. news rankings. Columbia then uh, the following June of 2022, on June of 2022, said it would submit information for the coming rankings as it reviewed those specific allegations by the professor. The professor basically went through the math, looked at what was how uh, U.S. News determines their rankings, and basically argued that Columbia was submitting false data, right? Because Columbia in recent years has shot all the way up to the number two ranking in national universities on U.S. News. A few days later, after Columbia said it wouldn't be submitting information for the upcoming rankings for the year of 2022, the U.S. News removed Columbia from its national universities list, where it had, as I just mentioned, 
had been the number two undergraduate spot in the entire country. And then finally, in September of last year, uh, Columbia did admit basically that it had relied on outdated, and I quote, relied on outdated and or incorrect methodologies for class sizes and the share of faculty members with terminal degrees, both of which are factors in the U.S. news ranking, the average class size and the number of faculty that have uh, PhDs are factors that go into this. And Columbia had fudged those numbers in order to drive themselves up the rankings. U.S. News has now shifted that to rank number 18 among national universities. And so this caused, so that's kind of the overall timeline culminating into in this past week, Columbia basically saying it's not going to submit data anymore. And so how... U.S. News then chooses to rank Columbia, given that they're not receiving data from Columbia anymore, is going to be an interesting thing. But the fact that it was so subjective to begin with, right, the fact that all of this data could be so easily fudged, that the U.S. News was not the one to catch these lies, right, but that a Columbia professor had to dig into their own school's application math, right, or the or dig into the own data that it had been submitting to Columbia to find the falsehoods here really put the U.S. News and its rating under the microscope. And since then, while it hasn't really affected the undergraduate rankings, a lot of law schools and medical schools have stopped submitting data, right? Um, basically saying that its rankings create kind of weird incentivizations, right? So this includes Columbia's law school, medical school, and nursing schools, but many other top universities for their graduate school degrees in particular have pulled themselves from the U.S. News ranking until the U.S. News tr tries to figure out a better way to evaluate it, right? And so now the publication has since changed its undergraduate ranking system to reward institutions that graduate, st graduate students from different backgrounds and to remove some of the often criticized uh, measurements like a alumni giving from its ranking formula, right? So U.S. News has also pivoted and basically said maybe a lot of our metrics are outdated or they reward a particular type of university that is going to benefit basically wealthy and white is what the conclusions were. And so they are trying to diversify that a little bit with, uh, with their new ranking system. The problem is that if you can pivot that so easily, then what is the value of the ranking system to begin with, right? If your ranking system is so quick to adjust and you can see the wild fluctuation, especially this year, um, schools that were um, kind of ranked a little bit lower are now suddenly rising to the top. Uh, U of Chicago, for example, is t number five, where it used to be not significantly lower, but it used to be a little bit lower down the rankings there, right? A lot of the, there's been a huge fluctuation, right, in the rankings based off of some of these changes. And so that's kind of the problem, okay? And so this introduces a couple things, right? One, it reaffirms what has always been my mantra of please, please, please take the time to look past the rankings, right? Rankings are important. And the reason why U.S. News, I think, continues to be popular in spite of kind of pretty legitimate research-based evidence that this is a system that can be gamed and therefore these rankings might not mean all that much or that the factors that create the ranking might not be factors that even matter to you when you're going into your own college search. But because those 
those factors are so complicated. And then when I'm looking for, when I have 500 schools to choose from, I'm just going to go with somewhere that has a ranking, right? That's why we click on all the clickbait for top 10 lists or top 10 movies you've never heard of or best thrillers to watch on Netflix right now, right? Is because we want we don't want to take the time to make up our own minds, especially as a student. That is a terrible mindset to have, right? And especially as a student who is researching, like, how your parents are going to end up spending $300,000, right? Like, this is, this is not something that you should just leave up to a singular review site to do, right? Even when you're buying something probably much smaller, like your prom outfit, right? You're going to look at a bunch of different resources and reviews and sources of inspiration, right? So let alone where you're going to spend the next four years of your life. So the scandal is huge, right? In terms of um, kind of throwing the US news rankings for a loop, right? Um, the reality is that so many people are going to continue using it. It is there. It is relatively easily accessible. A lot of stuff is behind a paywall, but it's pretty easily accessible and it's easy, right? I just can just look, I see a number, I, I can determine where I want to go, right? That's fine. But all of this news and the fact that a school, the fact that all of this stuff is self-reported, right? And of course, you're at cross purposes here because a school is, of course, going to be incentivized to send the data that is going to move it up its rankings, right? Move it up, move it up the rankings. So with all that in mind, right, just a continual reinforcement of an ongoing mantra I've always had, really take the time. This is why you should start early. Start the summer of your junior year. Start earlier. Start looking into schools. Find the schools that have the things that you want because the rankings are a good jumping off point. They're a good way to kind of match what you would consider your ambition to match your ambition with a particular number or rank, right? But in the same way that sometimes when I show families, uh, last week I talked about business schools. When I show family that the family that oh, actually one of the best, best, best business schools you can go into is Indiana University. Check out this rank on U.S. News, which is the website they were using religiously for every single other thing. They see Indiana University and they're like, "Well, I've never heard of that. These rankings must be wrong, <laughs> right?" So. Think about how you're using this, right? Use it as a starting point. It is not a Bible. It is so, so, so fallible. Um, and so um, take, especially now, right, as the ranking is undergoing constant review and revision over what the heck it's measuring. Once US News decides what it actually is going to determine its rankings off of, I will talk through them. I will find out and we will, I will talk about them here. But until then, just know that those rankings are going to see wild fluctuations from year to year, probably for the next couple of years as criticism and scrutiny around all of this uh, continues. Okay, so just a couple things to keep in mind there. All right, let's move on to one of the things that I really wanted to have been wanting to talk about 
a lot about just because I have a lot of students who are interested in pursuing a degree in sort of this field, uh, one way or another. Um, and that is engineering. Engineering is incredibly broad. And so it's something that you do want to kind of really pay attention to in terms of what type of engineering you're going in to get into. Civil engineering is a very different thing than mechanical engineering, which is very different than computer engineering, right? And this may seem like a duh thing, but the number of students who come in and kind of just want to say, oh, I just want to do engineering. Why? Oh, I'm good at math. Okay, you being good at math is maybe a starting point slash prerequisite for for doing this, but I don't think should be the baseline of how you are going to go about pursuing your future. So um, I want to quickly talk about engineering, um, mostly with a view to how to pursue some of the big name schools, right? Because a lot of the students who are engineer who are interested in engineering are also the ones who are interested in, very interested in uh, getting into MIT or getting into Caltech or getting into an Ivy League, right? Um, the same thing that drives them to be very, 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 very good at math and very, very good at kind of the systems that are necessary to be an engineer, that type of ambition, that type of drive is also a big part of why a lot of them are interested in getting into a top, 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 top school. I want to talk a little bit about a couple of the keys here. So one is obviously your math. I think that math now more than ever is... Uh, very tricky to, depending on your school, it's going to be hard or easier or harder to get ahead. A lot of schools, if you are in the U.S. school system and you're in the AP program, you obviously are going to want to look into getting BC calculus done by your junior year, right? I think that being able to get into either multivariable or linear algebra your senior year of high school is super important, right? If you're aiming for a top engineering school. So obviously your educational courses, that's important. But the other part in terms of engineering, right? When I, come, when I end up working with a student who really wants to do engineering, wants to study engineering, a lot of what I end up focusing on is like certainly like an awesome internship, an awesome research project. Those things are helpful if we can get access to them, right? Um, but what I have found to be successful with a lot of students has been not just doing those sort of things, but really taking the time to engage in the independent tinkering and independent problems problem solving um, immediately around you that uh, colleges kind of want to see as a mindset for an engineering student. Sure, you can be good at math. Lots of people are good at math, but engineering is not just about can you run the equations, right? Literally, especially now with a computer, that's not what I need you for. What I need you for is a willingness to get hands-on, to tinker with, to bring me a different perspective on how to solve this problem with efficiency, right? That's what engineering is about. It's a solutions-oriented major, right? And your ability to, be, to demonstrate and prove that you can come at problem solving from a unique perspective, from a, a meaningful, uh, meaningful angle, you need to start practicing that now, right? And that can start at home. That can start immediately around you. That can start with um, not just the hands-on material side of things, but with your overall problem solving in general, right? And so just to give you an example of this, uh, I have a student who uh, it like came to me wanting to do engineering. I'm like, well, what do you do outside of school? 
And I was hoping, obviously, as a submissions consultant, I'm hoping to hear some evidence of, you know, oh, I, um, I'm part of my robotics team. I do, you know, all these different things that are more that obviously scream engineering student. And he did have some of those. But when we were mapping out his, uh, his activities list, he was like, well, actually, most of the time that I spend is uh, at, a, uh, at a dog rescue center. I was like, when you say most of your time, tell me what you mean by most of your time. He's like, well, between um, kind of being on the streets, fundraising, right, and going and visiting the dog center and then taking care of the dogs there, I'd probably say around 15 to 20 hours a week. I'm like, what? <laughs> right? In my head, right? Because the family had come to me expressly saying we were they were aiming very high. I was like, oh no, initially, right, was how I was thinking about this because the evidence of I want to do engineering just wasn't there. But as we were talking, um, I told him to let's start thinking about this. I want to see some evidence that you have the mindset to be an engineer, but we don't have time necessarily to find you a great internship or an awesome independent research program or anything like that. So let's start with what can you do to try to fix something around you? And so we just started listing all these problems, right? All these little things that he saw that he was like, oh, I wish this could be better. And one of the things that ended up coming up was the communal bathroom at the, for the dogs at this rescue center. And he was just like, yep, it's, it's made with poor material. It kind of just absorbs all the waste instead of kind of funneling it so it can be easily disposed. And then because it absorbs it, it sticks, right? And then it stinks. And it's just an unpleasant environment. I love taking care of the dogs, but I hate walking into it. I was like, okay, that's an interesting problem, right? Let's think about how we can fix it. And we started to brainstorm and it was very clear that like, oh, I need to, let's, first of all, there's a material science aspect to it. Like we need to use a different material, right? This absorbent material, like I get the idea behind it, but absorbing it is not it. We actually needed to funnel all the waste to a one shared collecting space so it's easy to dispose of, right? Um, okay, great, fine, right? And then we also need to think about the, the angle right of the toilet so that um, all the stuff can all of the waste can actually funnel right and we don't need to kind of sweep it or do anything like that it's not just sitting in puddles on the ground so we need to determine angle but the dogs also need to walk so it can't be the super steep thing right um, and so etc right and so as we were doing that, and so he kind of went to a couple hardware stores did some materials testing did a cost benefit analysis in terms of how much would this cost because he was doing this out of his own pocket right and then he spent a summer rebuilding the dog toilet right that's what he did he, like and this sounds weird to say it as like a project but he did it it got done there were demonstrate there was a demonstrable change right there were more volunteers volunteers were willing to stay longer dogs were happier there was like well obviously we can't prove it right but there was um, an increased rate at which the dogs were being adopted in part because to some degree hopefully right people who were looking at the dogs and looking at the animals were able to stick around longer because they weren't being chased out by a terrible smell and so all of that to say right this kid is now happily pursuing engineering at cornell Right? And of course, did he have the stats? Did he have the SAT grades, scores? Sure, he did. But in terms, but every engineering student has that. But what really helped distinguish him, right, was not some amazing top tier, unique, awesome research opportunity at Google, right? It was, I'm going to think like an engineer. 
I'm going to think about problem solving. I'm going to use the limitations that I have in terms of budget, in terms of resources, in terms of time, and I'm going to solve a problem. And I'm going to prove that I can solve the problem, right? So think about that, right? Especially as right now you're heading into summer, right? Um, a lot of deadlines have already passed for big programs. That's fine. If you didn't get into anything, don't despair, right? Think about what you can be doing there, okay? So that's one side, right, of, of this is that for engineering, it's the, the schools are great, but in order to get in, your mindset needs to be proven and there needs to be evidence that you can think like an engineer, not just that your grades are good. And then the last thing I would really want to point is that one of the ways to really do that, right, even once you're in college, is to not actually go straight into an engineering degree, right? A lot of the internet, a lot of the programs that are engineering, you have to decide on your major pretty early, much earlier than normal, right? Normally in U.S. schools, you finish two years and then you decide to be an engineer, right? Um, I think it's important to know that as engineers, you actually have to decide this pretty early. You usually have to decide after your first year because there's so many courses that you need to take. But I think given what I've just said about perspective being an important, being a versatile person who has a lot of different types of knowledge to bring to the table and be able to solve problems, I really think that you sh it's, in, it's, in, it's worth taking a look at schools that are a little bit smaller, but that have partnerships. I've mentioned this in a few previous podcasts that there are a bunch of different schools, smaller, liberal arts focused, that have partnerships with some of the biggest names in engineering. And so I'll just use one obvious one as an example, Caltech. Caltech is the MIT of the West. It's a great school. It is impossible to get in. However, Caltech has partners, right? And their partners, they've partnered up to create a bunch of 3-2 programs. So what a 3-2 means is you spend three years at this smaller school um, and you get your bachelor's degree, you get a bachelor's degree there, and then you spend two, degree, two years at Caltech and you get a Bachelor of Science from Caltech. So you spend a total of five years, right? But you end up with two degrees, right? So five years, two degrees, one of them is a science degree from Caltech, Right, which obviously is going to be uh, satisfying for many of you who are aiming for engineering and aiming for something higher, but it also gives you the time right, to slow down the rush to get into engineering. Right? Take some time in a liberal arts environment where you are required to absorb all of this additional kind of side knowledge that you can start to innovate and integrate into something more interesting. Okay, and so some of the schools that Caltech is partnered with, Bowdoin, obviously a great school, Bryn Mawr, Grinnell, right, the founding place of Intel, right, uh, Haverford, Mount Holyoke, Oberlin, Occidental, Ohio Wesleyan, Pomona, Reed, Spelman, Wesleyan, and Whitman, right. Now, some of these obviously are top top tier, right. Bowdoin is like the number three liberal arts school, right, as long as they haven't kind of falsified their rankings, U.S. News and, uh, and World Report. But many of these schools are very achievable. Reed College is a very achievable uh, school for many students, right. And if you get in and then you choose to then apply to Caltech, right, you then end up kind of with this best of both worlds, right, that you've kind of been able to gain access to an almost impossible to access school, right, by starting off and you're coming to the table. The reason Caltech makes these partnerships is it knows that a liberal arts student coming in is going to bring a different perspective, right? And so 
that can be one way of thinking about Caltech isn't the only school that has these partnerships. Dartmouth has a bunch of them. Columbia has a bunch of them. Take some time to dig into and look up, right? Look up just three, two programs or four plus one, four plus one engineering partnerships and see what comes up. There are quite a few. And this can be, as you're building your college list, worth thinking about, right? That if at the end of the day, right, your goal is this awesome engineering degree from this awesome school, there are more than, there's more than one pathway there. And that is something that, and that pathway there may ultimately help you become a better, more successful engineer to begin with. Okay. So, um, and you really do think about that. Uh, you don't need to necessarily go build, fix your dog toilet, but, um, what I would really encourage you to all start thinking about is if you're thinking about engineering is look around what problems exist right immediately around you that you can solve. Do it, do it. Take the time to figure out how to optimize your immediate surroundings. And I think you will almost always end up with an interesting story to tell that will help you get into the engineering school of your dreams, All right? All right, thanks for listening to the Accepted Podcast. Again, my name is Tyler Kusunoki. We hope you enjoyed today's topic on shifts to the rankings and on engineering schools. Join us next week for more on the complex world of college admissions. If you like what you're hearing and want to support, be sure to leave us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, your platform of choice. Subscribe and hit the bell icon for notifications to stay up to date. And again, do remember there are a couple events coming up next week. So do check us out at tokyoacademics.com slash events. That's tokyoacademics.com slash events that's it for today and remember the key to getting in is getting ready Thank you.